Mexican invasion! Good evening, good morning, wherever you are around the world. Welcome back to Invasion of the Weird. This is Agent H signing on solo for this episode of the conspiracy that affects each and every one of you around the globe. I am currently recording at an undisclosed location within the confines of the United States of America, and this will take a bit of an American point of view because of that. Be that as it may, the tentacles to this devilfish octopus Kraken, if you wish to call it such, reached every corner of the globe. Talking about the absolute house of cards known as the global economy and its reliance on an illusion. I'm going to take a quick breath here to mention that this is in no way financial advice. Do with this quote-unquote entertainment as you wish. And according to my uh, show's analytics, a significant portion of the listeners are coming from the Washington, D.C. area. So uh, shout out to the fans at the FBI, CIA, NSA, or any of you other alphabet folks that might be listening in. I'm going to start this premise off with an observation. Ask any companion or acquaintance what they think their currency is backed by. Most places, most people would think that their money, quote unquote, is backed by gold and silver. Some places, they would even say that the local currency is backed by the U.S. dollar due to its status as the global reserve currency. But this widely held notion is wildly off base. At one point, silver and gold were the global currency due to their intrinsic value. In fact, the average day's wage for almost all of human history has been about the value of one silver U.S. dime. That's where the phrase a dime a day comes from. In fact, Roman legionnaires are paid the wage of one silver denarius for 12 hours hard human labor. In Sun Tzu's Art of War, it tells you exactly how much silver you need to staff and pay an army of 100,000 men, and that it would cost you roughly 1,000 ounces a day to supply the army with payment. That breaks out to about the amount of one silver dime every 10 days per soldier. In fact, today, the value of that silver dime is about two U.S. dollars. And in many places around the world, two dollars a day is the wage. These precious metals are so ingrained in human history that oftentimes languages' words for money are either the same word that they have for silver or gold. A favorite quote of mine is, uh, Honest money never fails. And there are two types of currencies that have been tried by man. A third, if you count, crypto as a new branch. Those based off the intrinsic value inherent in what it is made out of that cannot be counterfeit. And the fiat currency that has its value based off the promise of a sovereign power. Basically, for lack of a better terms, it has value because the government says so. As Voltaire said, and as history has proven, all fiat currencies eventually return to their intrinsic value. Zero. Why do I bring this up, you might ask? For the first time in all of human history, all global currencies are fiats. And they are stacked one on top of the other 
like a proverbial deck of cards, backing each other in a spider web of codependence. Here's how we got here. Originally, all industrial nations had precious metals as currency. In fact, the United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 10 reads, No state shall make anything but gold and silver coin tender in the payment of debts. It's because the U.S. Founding Fathers had seen tried and failed fiat currencies and the collapse of empires who debased their own currency to cheat out their debts. So they put this in simple terms for the framework of the nation. That is until 1913, when the Federal Reserve was created. It's not actually federal. It's a private institution with the name Federal stamped on it. It's just about as federal as uh, the Federal Express, known as FedEx. The founding of this institution lays the groundwork for changing the global system from one based on intrinsic values to fiats. Because, being a private institution, the Federal Reserve is no state. So those dollar bills in your pocket that say Federal Reserve notes, that go directly against the U.S. Constitution because they are not printed by a state. They somehow wiggled around the constitutional necessity of being made out of silver or gold. Next up was uh, Executive Order 6102. 1934, FDR declares that all U.S. gold coinage needed to be turned over to the feds under penalty of fine or imprisonment. Not only did they have the audacity to force Americans to sell their gold for paper promissory notes, they then turned right around and raised the price of gold through the 1934 Gold Act. So even if it had been a fair trade, if the paper had the value that the gold had, they undercut them, knowing full well that they were just going to jack up the official price of gold after. If you see pictures of the original Fort Knox audits, you'll notice this orangish hue to the bricks of gold. It's because constitutional coinage, be it silver or gold, had about a 10% copper ingredient added to it in order to make it a hardier alloy for circulation. Because pure gold or pure silver is innately highly malleable. It would break down much easier without that copper added in. After this, gold remained illegal for U.S. citizens until Nixon in 1973. But we'll, we'll circle back to that. World War II happens. The Allies win, but one major power's economy isn't totally destroyed, unlike all of Europe. And the industrial powers that were in Asia at the time. In this post-war system we set up something called the Bretton Woods Agreement. And under the Bretton Woods system, each country's currency would be backed by the U.S. dollar, and the U.S. dollar would be backed by gold, thus establishing the dollar as the global reserve currency that still stands to this day. Next major event is Vietnam War and the Kennedy assassination. By 1964, 
Most of the silver was taken out of U.S. coins, and by 1971, it was phased out completely. And this had already been happening to other countries around the world. Canada had silver in its coins. Germany, France, Switzerland, UK, the list goes on and on and on. And they had been slowly phased out around the same time the U.S. is doing it here. During Vietnam, Nixon started printing currency that wasn't backed by the gold. Another country, specifically France, called his bluff and started doing the same thing. So in 1963, Nixon temporarily halted the exchange of the U.S. dollar to gold, and soon it was legal for the citizens to own. But like most temporary government actions, this became a permanent change. This was the final nail in the coffin divorcing the U.S. dollar, and by extension, the world from precious metal-backed currency to a fully fiat Ponzi scheme. Now the U.S. dollar is backed solely by the, quote, faith and credit of the U.S. government, and by extension, as the global reserves currency, so is the rest of the world. As long as the oil can be only purchased in the U.S. dollar, this system seems to be shakily holding together. But in light of a future post-COVID world, who knows? In recent modern history, there have been two challenges to the petrodollar system, both wanting to trade gold directly for oil. One happened to be in Iraq, and then a few years later, the other happened to be in Libya. And on a uh, completely unrelated note, the U.S. and its allies completely toppled both of those regimes. Probably unrelated, though. In 1973, at the time, the exchange for gold was $35 for an ounce of gold. Today, one ounce of gold is $2,000 U.S. dollars. Did the gold cost more, or has the purchasing power of the dollar been completely destroyed? The world is backed by the dollar, and the dollar is backed by nothing. Now each country is printing more and more in order to stay afloat during the COVID crisis. When the Federal Reserve was created, for every one ounce of gold, there was 28.96 paper dollars floating around in the system. For every one ounce of silver, only 2.63 paper dollars. Today, according to the U.S. debt clock, for every ounce of gold, there are 30,288 U.S. dollars printed and floating around, and for every ounce of silver, there's $3,985 floating around. To put this in context, this time last year, per one ounce of silver, was only 600 paper dollars floating around. I've been following this for a few years, but that velocity of lost purchasing power is absolutely insane. And the fact that we haven't fully felt it yet significantly worries me. Let's throw a few more conspiracies on here as if this uh, timeline isn't disconcerting enough. If we wanted to go back to a gold standard, that would take the gold that is supposed to be in Fort Knox. And if it is there, it hasn't been audited fully, and when audited, only a small room was tallied. 
in 2009, China bought gold from the U.S. and then claimed they only received coated tungsten bars posing as gold. In recent years, similar fake gold bars have appeared in New York exchanges. In the last year, J.P. Morgan Chase, using Bear Stearns as a shell company, which they acquired in the last global economic meltdown of 2008, has gotten what seems to be a slap on the wrist. Hopefully more comes out of it for uh, spoofing the silver market in some elaborate price-fixing scheme where they would make fake orders with the full intention of never actually going through with them back and forth between companies that were just themselves in order to affect the price of silver. And now with gold at its record all-time high, the uh, COMEX, the Commodities Exchange, in charge of these precious metals, is trading at a volume that should not be possible, surpassing what should physically exist in the market. I think it's all fishy, and it sinks to high hell. This is the tip of the iceberg, though. If you want to go further down this rabbit hole, there's plenty of places to do so. I followed a few people for a few years, and I just want to say I'm not sponsored or partnered with any of these folks. It's just info out there for info's sake. Mike Maloney has a good series called The Hidden Secrets of Money. Chris over at Silver Shield, The Greatest Truth Never Told. He has some good videos. And there's, there's plenty out there if you want to dive down this rabbit hole. But if you'd rather take the blue pail and stay in Wonderland, that's fine. When we hit 500 followers on the Instagram, I plan on giving away an ounce of silver because I can't think of anything truly meaningful like that that I would want to give one of the listeners. I've got a handful of listener-submitted questions to go over, but I'm going to save those for when I have my other co-hosts in studio so we can bounce them off of each other. For now, this has been Invasion of the Weird, and I am Agent H, signing off.